If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello there. Julian Richings here. Death in Supernatural and Three Finger in Wrong Turn. You're listening to Don't Go Out There. Enjoy. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin. And they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast, uh, powered by the Big Three Roll-Up Network. Uh, just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, it means the world to us. You take the time to listen to us. Uh, super excited for this interview. Uh, we are joined today by another legend of the business. Uh, with over 200 acting credits to his name, spanning nearly five decades, known for his roles in Man of Steel, X-Men 3, Urban Legend, Supernatural, The Witch, and of course, the Wrong Turn franchise, Mr. Julian Richings. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really well. It's nice to be here. I was just naming stuff off. You've been in a lot of stuff, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got one of those faces that seems to lend itself to a lot of different shows. And, uh, you know, I'll never be the, the lead guy with this huge story arc. But I, I keep appearing here and there and upsetting people or murdering people or getting chased or something. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Richings, we like to start off all of our interviews just by asking what got you into acting. Well, I think I've always been an actor. I'm, I'm a middle child uh, in a middle-class home in the middle of England. That's where I grew up. And in some ways, I felt like I was really myself when I was putting on a show. I, I, I identified with the script or the story that I was telling. Um, and my brother, my older brother, had this peculiar talent. He had uh, a skill where he would build environments around our backyard, our house. He'd create a circus. He'd create a spook house. And guess who he got to populate those places? His little brother. So I would get up there and I'd be uh, doing the stunts and I'd be doing stuff. I loved it. And uh, when he went to a youth club that put on plays, he became a set designer and I followed along and I thought, well, I can't do that. So I started to act and I thought, well, this is what I really want to do. So I guess that was what made me realize that, oh, not only am I naturally an actor, but I can maybe make a living being an actor and so i went from there and i trained and you know and then i kept going 
Yes, sir. And, uh, and, and you know, speaking of those plays, I, I see you you trained in drama and theater. Um, you even toured with a stage production. Uh, c- yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that experience, you know, and, and how that that would differ from, you know, conventional movies? I mean, do you take a different approach when you're working in theater? Yeah. And this kind of theater that I was doing was very much like a touring rock band in a van. You know, we'd have our set, we'd arrive at a venue, we'd put it up, we'd uh, do the show. Maybe we'd stay overnight in a motel and then we'd drive to the next venue. It was very much rock and roll. It was uh, an obscure kind of avant-garde show. Um, So we relied on a very specific audience um, and we basically shared the hat you know we we uh we 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 were poor but we we really enjoyed what we did it opened a lot of doors i came to uh north america i toured north america with this company we went to chicago new york toronto i ended up in toronto because i actually met the woman who was to be my wife and uh so that's kind of the reason that i stayed um so in terms of the, the technique involved, though, in, in acting in the theater, um, it's the same heart, the same soul. you got to tell a story. you got to focus on um, listening to the other person and responding to the other person. But the technique is different because you're not playing to the people in the room. You're playing to a camera. So you just have to adjust your performance accordingly rather than, you know, to the back row of the auditorium but to the fact that the lens is right there and you have to modulate you know um and i've sort of learned it over the years and i've got better at it and i've got better at figuring out all the different lenses and all the different uh, close-ups and requirements for a performance and um, you know and i know we're going to talk about um, some of the technical stuff i've done like uh, movies like wrong turn where as an actor where you're playing a creature or a monster um, and you've got a lot of special effects, that technical awareness becomes really important. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Richings, um, you've had an amazing career spanning all types of genres. Uh, You seem to be more drawn to like sci-fi and horror. Uh, Do you enjoy the wide range or shift the opportunities of characters those types of genres allow you to play and create? I like them. Um, I like to inject humor into them as much as I can, because I, I, you know, I figure that if there's a villain or a weird looking guy and he's also got a twinkle in his eye or he's funny, it makes him more interesting, you know, and you don't quite know how to take him and you don't know how creepy he is. Uh, For instance, Supernatural, the, the TV series, what drew me to that was the fact that there I'm playing the Grim Reaper, but he's not just this serious guy that's you know oh my god death has walked into the room he's also a guy that's got a a real life to him and a real sense of humor and a sense of irony too so so i like that and i i like injecting the unexpected into what are traditionally bad goal bad guy roles absolutely and I'm, I'm sure you're probably tired of answering some of these questions, but, you know, as a, as a horror podcast, you know, and a huge fan of, of you in particular, we, we've got to ask about one of my favorite horror movies, Wrong Turn. Um, right. You know, you brought it up earlier. You're the most memorable part of that movie as Three Finger. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that role? It's fantastic. It, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I had the privilege to work with Stan Winston, who is the master of special effects, who created, you know, Edward Scissorhands and the Terminator and all those incredible creatures. Right. Um, 
And for me, what was so great was that Stan really understood how to work with an actor in the same way that with Johnny Depp, he kind of got me to go to his studio on several occasions and work with me and create a mask and create a, a persona really that I could move with so that I wasn't, I didn't feel constricted by the, the prosthetics and the, the lenses and all the different stuff that I was wearing. The exact opposite. It was like wearing um, a sort of a, a mask that, that enabled me to enter into this incredible character. So that was really cool. It was really cool. It took a while to, to figure it out, to uh, figure out how I would move, because we figured out I had two huge brothers. And therefore, you know, it would be much more effective if I was fast and darting and quick. And then I introduced the idea of a laugh. Uh, which we, again, you know, we we tried and we worked on and and we we developed it bit by bit by bit. It was um, quite um, deliberate, but a lot of fun, a lot of craft went into it. Yeah, that laugh has become you know the the trademark of that entire franchise. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, I only did the first one, so um, I sort of I've seen some of the other ones, but I haven't been involved in them directly. But for me, it's kind of um, it's an honor to think that, that, that the, the franchise has gone on and uh, it's got an audience like that. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, your character, Three Finger, was the only one from the first one that made it to the second one. And the third wrong turn was all about uh, Three Finger. So <laughs> it's very, you know, it's it says a lot that your role and your portrayal was so good that it kept it kept going on in the franchise. So, so that's awesome. Uh we had Robert England on the show. We asked him this, and I'm curious about the same with your role as Three Finger. Uh, can you walk us through what you may recall about the makeup process for getting, you know, the character of Three Finger? Well, it it was a long time ago, so it was old school, you know, and the um, the the applications were, you know, silicone that had to be put on very carefully, and they had to be removed. I think that was the big difference that to now whereas we have a more of a disposable technology where we can put something on and and that's it back in the day um it took four hours to put the all the different facial pieces on and all the rest of it and then two hours to take it off at the end of the day and it was those two hours at the end of the day that really were tough because you're there and, you know, you've been inside of this cocoon for this long and sweat's coming down. Uh, but, but it's very meticulously been taken off piece by piece by piece to be preserved and cleaned for the following day. Mm. So that was a huge challenge. Um, putting it on, not such a big deal. It's kind of relaxing. There's a clear process. It takes a long time, but there's a lot of good music, loud the guys are really cool. The special effects guys kind of let me go into my own world, let me shut my eyes, and I just listen to them. And for an actor, you know, actors get very caught up in performance and aesthetics and kind of the superficial stuff of, of ego as well, you know. So when you're working with a special effects team, it's really cool. It's really, it really brings you down to earth. And I loved listening to them go on at length about the special effect in Taxi Driver where the guy gets his thumb shot off and, you know, they go into the minutiae of, of how it was arranged. And uh, it, was, it was really cool. And it reminded me, too, that, you know, this is a craft as well as it's artistic and we make choices 
and we, it's a kind of fame as an ephemeral thing, but at the, the root of it all is our, our tradesmen and, and craftspeople. And um, we all rely on technicians to light us properly, to create the set and to make us look good. And uh, it's, it's, I think that's one of the reasons I've lasted a long time and I've done a lot of things is that I work well with people and I have a deep respect for the other departments in the film industry. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, Nico brought up Robert England. You know, you, you were actually in one of my favorite movies with him in, uh, in Urban Legend. Um, it's, yeah. it's funny. It's funny. Your character, I mean, it's such a red herring in that movie. And they, they, <laughs> and they named you just a weird janitor. So yes. <laughs> I mean, do you have any recollections of being on set and interactions with Mr. England or? I, I remember he was a really gracious guy. I mean, we all knew who he was, right? Like, right. So, and I was like a, a kind of a, a, I had a resume, but nothing like him. And so in those situations on set, you know, there's always a bit of a pecking order and you're always very aware of not overstepping your bounds and being respectful to, you know, senior professionals and stuff. But I do remember him as being very gracious, very approachable, and very down to earth. And, and I think that's the case with a lot of people that do a lot of horror. Because at the end of the day, when you're doing a horror movie, uh, every scene is about selling the gag, right? It's about how are we going to set this up so that it gets maximum chills? Not, you know, do I look good? How am I? Like, a, it's, it's about, like, how do we make this work? So if you're working with George Romero or you, you know, you're working with Rob Schmidt in Wrong Turn, it's all about like, what's the moment that's coming up? What's the, and we're all working together to make that work. You know, looking back on it, Urban Legend has a ton of horror legends in it. Uh, yourself, Robert England, Danielle Harris, uh, yeah. Brad Dorf. That movie is awesome. I love it. But yeah. Mr. Dr Mr. Richings, I wanted to ask you about another movie that you were in. Uh, I want to ask you about The Witch. Uh, you played the governor. You know, I'm I'm going to pick that movie for us to review in the future. Uh, can you just talk to us about that role a little bit? Yeah, I play the governor. Um, it was Robert Eggers' first feature film. Um, I knew when I worked on it, when I first met him, that I was dealing with a major talent, somebody who was kind of cut from a different cloth. He not only uh, was prepared, but he was like super into the world of the witch and had done so much research he could talk at length in the manner of the puritans you know wow. fr from way back like he he really had it he, he has has a production designer's uh attention to detail and um right down to every choice of clothing that was made right down to uh, the forest the area of the forest that we worked in was unspoiled and true to the time you know most forest wow. areas have been affected by agriculture over the years he made it clear that he wanted the exact replica of the clearings and the deep woods and and that sense of of the period so it was it was really cool working with somebody that committed to uh, his vision. Um, it's also his first time film. So I wasn't also, I, I, he, there was a sense where he was learning as he was going along too. So he was very open. Um, I imagine that when you work with some of the masters and they're in their 15th and 16th films, you know, it becomes 
kind of harsh. You know, they know what they want. They're going to get it. And, and you better watch out if you've got any ideas of your own. But with Robert, he was uh, extremely um, collaborative. And um, even though he was so clear about what he wanted about the world that we were inhabiting, he was uh, also very open. Uh, we we did a bunch of uh, shooting of the, I mean I'm only involved in the very opening of the movie. Uh, we sh we shot a little more than you actually see in the final cut. We sh we shot a few scenes, but Robert quickly realized that the movie really begins once the family is outcast into the wood. You know you can't do that much with stuff in the village. It becomes a bit soap opery. It's really about being haunted and being out there. Um, so um, it was just fun. It was just a very short shoot for me, um, but it was great to be immersed in that world. And even though some of the lead actors like Anya has become very well known since, obviously, right. it was there was a real sense that we were um, an acting ensemble, that we that there were no stars. There, like we were all trying to speak in the authentic dialect of the time, and that we were focused on. Um, Robert's story. We were really trying to be authentic and accurate with his story. And so I think that's what created a tremendous spell with the movie. Because if nothing else, the movie really takes you into a strange place. Right. And that requires everybody being on the same page. I just have a quick follow up with that. Um, you know, The Witch, The Wrong Turn, they're both horror movies, but they're on different, you know, realms of type. Can you yeah. tell us just the difference of being on set of The Witch compared to something like A Wrong Turn? Well, Wrong Turn is much more of a popular horror fi film, right? Like a traditional shocker right. um, with a bunch of like moments that, that are have carefully orchestrated. Like Stan Winston is the master of knowing, like Spielberg, how long do you allow the the, the sharp to be seen in Jaws, you know, you can't have it for too long. You got to have a moment of, of shock and gone and, and another moment. And Stan was the master of that, um, right down to a stopwatch, you know, making sure that the scenes weren't too long. I feel with um, The Witch, it was more of a creeping, brooding menace that was there all the way through. And in many ways, the, um, the horror came through other sources like, uh, the animals and uh, the noises and that s amazing soundtrack, you know, so it was a, a slow build. So that's goes back to what I was saying about being a member of an ensemble, like an acting ensemble producing a particular tone. Right. The movie was very creepy, very creepy yeah. movie. Absolutely. And speaking of differences in sets, I mean, as a sci-fi and DC fan myself, I've got to ask about, you know, Man of Steel, of course, you played Laura M. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's a, that's such a huge blockbuster type film. I mean, what's the difference? Uh, what's the biggest difference in your mind, you know, in working on something like that versus, you know, one of these smaller productions that you were talking about? Just scale, just the, si <clears throat> the size of the thing. You know, um, the same principles are there. Uh, you, you're dealing with a lot more special effects in terms of like th th this is more in, within a modern world rather than um, going back to wrong term, which is kind of old school. So I I spent a lot of time looking at a tennis ball, 
you know, I'm looking <laughs> up at some, like a right. tennis ball sticking up uh, because I know that's the eye line and I know it's going to be CGI'd in and the image is going to be there. So there's more of that kind of green screen make believe going on. Right. But you're still investing the same. You're still having to listen to the other guys and to allow your imagination to envelop you. Um, and then there's still long moments of waiting around. Like I, I remember distinctly, uh, there's Russell Crowe kind of sitting around <laughs> waiting for a special effect to, to happen. And he's very patiently just kind of sat there and people are running around him going, oh, my God, Russell, are you OK? Are you OK? Everything good? Yeah, it's fine. Like he's he's paced himself. He knows that it's about getting the, the special effects right and, and letting his ego sort of sit there for a bit and then he'll come up and he'll barnstorm the place when he's needed to, you know? Um, so there's that sort of same principles, uh, to make the thing work. It's just that, um, in many ways you have to allow the, um, the technical side to dictate what else is going on. Right. Absolutely. Um, so just, you know, shifting gears a little bit, chaos walking, uh, just came out th this past March, um, yeah. st stars Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland. Uh, you played the role of Galt. Uh, can <laughs> yes. you talk a little bit about working on that? Yeah, I, I had fun, but it really felt like a work in progress. It, it, like I, I got to say, and Doug Lyman, who, who was the director, who has created franchises. He created the Bourne franchise right. Right. and the, the Tom Cruise uh, movies, right? Um, so he... he he there was really a sense that he was trying to make this really complicated idea work. And um, I was there at sort of ground zero where um, we were trying stuff and we knew that a lot of it would just get thrown out. Like oh, we, we were kind of offering it up. We were doing stuff. We were shifting. There were even times when we would um, we would do a scene and one guy would do one particular action and then we switch characters and we'd do different stuff. Like there was a real sense of experimentation and that was actually kind of cool. Uh, I've very rarely been on a set where there's enough trust in the director and the product to be able to do that. Normally producers are going, we've been on this show like, you know, three days now and we don't have a, and, and Doug's still going, well, no, we'll try it a bit differently. Because the reason was that, that the whole thing is that the characters, the male characters display a noise that's visible above their heads because it's taken from a comic book, right? right? So Doug's big challenge was how do we render that into film? How do we shoot it in such a way that there's still space for CGI for the actors to have this stuff above them? And how do we... Um, refine the story down to make sense in a cinematic form, not just a comic book form. So there was all this experimentation going on. So I felt like I was part of a grand experiment rather than a big movie. Right. And in fact, a lot of my time, I mean, I think if you sneeze, you might miss me. Because oh. yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of like I'm around and I'm in the village and I'm about, but very not with the final cut that, that, they came up with a lot of the work that we did in oh, okay. a couple of the, the um, towns are sort of gone, but Hey, you know, I, I was sort of part of that, that uh, creating that world. So uh, right. doesn't it, I, I don't feel, Oh no, all my work <laughs> is gone. What, what's happened. Uh, I just, um, 
it's just an unusual uh, situation. Normally, there's much more pressure to for product, right. and in this one, there was a real sense of experimentation. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it looks like you have a few projects on the docket coming up. Uh, you've got Stanleyville, Salvation. I'm not sure yeah. how much you can actually talk about those, but I mean, is there anything you can tell us about those films? And Salvation particularly looks interesting because I, you know, I love apocalyptic type films. It, it's certainly apocalyptic. It's it's um, very low budget, lo-fi guy waking up in a post-apocalypse and uh, making his way complete with a sort of handheld camera crew, very light, but able to traverse all kinds of strange environments, sewers, different places that you would normally not go into. Right. Um, so it's a really interesting film by um, a guy who I think we're gonna hear a lot about in the future, his name, I, I always struggle with his name. I, I'm gonna read it, it's, I, I know him as Bennett Debee, but it, his full name is Bennett de Brabandere. Brabandin, oh. but uh, anyway, so a really cool guy. Um, and yeah, I, I think um, he's he's got a lot more ideas in the can and he's, he, he's you're gonna hear from him in the future. Um, I, what, what I, 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 again, actually in that film, I, I don't have an awful lot in there. I was very much part of um, a sort of a, an important moment and, and that was it. And I, I knew him and I knew some of his colleagues and I, was happy to collaborate with them. Something that I can talk about that's just beginning to be advertised right now is uh, a show that's coming out on Epics um, in the US, and that's um, a Stephen King adaptation of his um, short story, Jerusalem's Lot, and it's been turned into a, a series called Chapelweight, and it stars Emily Hampshire and Adrian Brody. And um, that's coming out um, in August. And that, we shot, we actually shot it during COVID times uh, in on the east coast of uh, Canada, where there was a kind of a bubble where no COVID was reaching anybody there. So we, we were all in isolation, which was perfect to do a Stephen right. King uh, project. <laughs> yes, and, uh, it, we, uh, you know, we were all in these creepy... Um, puritanical areas, churches and graveyards and stuff. And it, it was really cool. And Adrian was really good, uh, you know, and I mean, he's an A-lister quite rightly. And uh, he brings a lot of gravity and a lot of, um, a lot of feeling to uh, the story. So there's that coming. Um, I'm excited about that. And, oh, and Stanleyville, which was the other one that you mentioned. Yes, um it's gonna um, it's gonna be premiered at the Fantasia Festival in Montreal in August, and then it will get a release soon after. It's kind of it's one of those films where it's hard to define it. It's definitely a genre film. It's definitely kind of futuristic because it's absurd. It's a bunch of people locked in a room competing for uh, a sports utility vehicle. And they go into ridiculous lengths, like they go, they start off with balloon blowing competitions and then they become more and more intense to the point where they're killing each other over a sports utility vehicle. It's sort wow. of absurd and funny and crazy and all, all the above, you know? Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what people make of it because it's, it's odd. It's odd in a really cool way. Um, 
So, so yeah, so I've got a few things happening and, uh, you know, uh, that's the kind of actor I am. I, I, I have my finger in a lot of different pies and, uh, that's how I like things. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Ritching, uh, you do, you do the convention circuit some, uh, I know with COVID that has been few and far between lately, yeah. but the conventions are picking up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do you have any convention scheduled that you're going to? And if you don't mind, we always like to ask, what's your funniest or most embarrassing or weirdest okay. moment you've ever had at a convention? We've well, heard some good ones. Uh, well, I can tell you, first of all, that um, I am going to Orlando, Florida. Um, there's a convention there in September. Uh, it's one of the first ones back, you know, in the flesh. It's a supernatural convention uh, hosted by Creation Entertainment. So I'm really looking forward to that and actually being up close, fairly close, not too close, but close with fans and actually in the same room and chatting to them. So that's exciting. But yeah, I've had some fun times at conventions. Um, I've done a lot of them. One of them, the, Supernatural has a massive demographic, right? Absolutely. It has a huge fan base. And so... Whenever I'm at a convention, people generally recognize me as Death, the Grim Reaper. And uh, I guess my <clears throat> my funniest experience was when I was, it was actually um, in, in Texas where I was on like the, the 33rd floor of a hotel and it happened to be the same convention center um, that we were, we, we were performing in. And I was going down and uh, I pressed the button and I've got my minder right there and we're going down and a guy gets on on the 32nd floor and he stands there and looks at me and he's looking at me and doesn't quite know what to say. And we're both sort of standing there awkwardly and we go, <laughs> we go down a bunch of floors and then suddenly the doors open and there's a whole bunch of fans, supernatural fans that, that start to walk into the elevator, take one look at me and go, <laughs> scream they refuse to get in the elevator and then the doors close right and, but the funniest thing is for the next 20 floors i'm going down with this other guy who's looking at me like going who the hell is this guy what is he doing why are people screaming at him in an elevator am i safe you know so anyway that, that was I, I get many uh, situations like that and and I have a lot of fond uh, experiences through Supernatural. Uh, lots of people, you know, would do things like I'll be walking down the street and people go, I love death. I love you, death. And I go, it's okay. It's from a show. It's, it's a show <laughs> that I'm going to explain it to people, you know. Uh, but it is definitely a world and a fan base that's that's been my privilege to kind of get to know over the last, I guess, 10 years. That that's just awesome to hear, man, uh, Mr. Richings. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up. Uh, you know, we didn't get to really ask you about him, but I just want to say I saw where you had a role in uh, Dead Silence. Love that movie, uncredited role, but I love that movie. <laughs> and you were in Saw Four, uh, one of my favorite yeah. Saw movies. Uh, you've been in so much horror, so I just wanted to thank you for your contribution to our favorite genre. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug or let our audience know about before we let you go? Well, um, I'm just happy that we're all sort of getting to the point now where we're all going to be out there and visiting and seeing each other. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, an exciting time and, um, and I'm looking forward to making more movies and, uh, and I'm looking forward to people seeing them in the theaters. Because especially with the horror genre, you need to share that response, you know, that, 
that anticipation and that communal gasp or the the scream. Uh, so that's all. And just um, I'm glad that touch wood we're 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 coming to an end of this phase. Right, Absolutely. and you know you you brought up the convention circuit too, but the the horror community is just so. They're not what you would expect. I mean, they're just so everybody's so friendly. We've, I mean, it's, yeah. we've, we've been doing this show for a while, and you know, everybody we've talked to, everybody we've had on, it's just been so nice and just so down to earth and just not yeah. at all, you know, big Hollywood or anything like that. I, so yeah, just, I think you ha- you have to park your ego at the door if you're doing the horror genre, and um, you you have to just get on with it. And uh, the fan base is very knowledgeable too. People are into horror big time, and uh, you can't you can't BS people. You know, you, um, you, you people see through it. They they uh, they get it, uh, and it's a very well educated fan base. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome, guys. Thank you for having me. And I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there. Yeah.